Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You have found the Shanty Pants Show. People ask all the questions that box you in To classify your life with the stroke of a pen Take those old rules, crumple them, and throw them out We're burning that box right now Although I am most often recognized for my ridiculous comedic fashion and makeup tutorials on my social medias, I also have a deeper side. I have been learning, growing, and recovering so much in the last couple of years, and I'm thrilled to bring you along on my journey as I continue to break the mold that I've been living in for far too long. I'm so fortunate to have the privilege of interviewing some movers and shakers who are encouraging my healing process through sharing their own stories. I speak with many who have suffered through challenges I myself have been through, such as living in a cult, infertility, foster care, adoption, and mental health illness. I have experienced firsthand how the stories of others have impacted Impacted me in my journey of healing. I'm honored to bring these stories to you all in hopes that you too can learn, grow, and heal. And also to remind us all that we are not alone. Welcome to the Shanty Pants Show. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today as I have an amazing conversation with Kristen. She is such an inspiration and brings so much hope and information and resources to those who may be struggling with fertility issues. And she has been seen on Today Show, Good Morning America. So, you know, she's kind of a big deal. I definitely think you should listen to this if you have any questions you should reach out to her. She has an amazing podcast that is a great listen and just some really great resources out there that you definitely do not want to miss out on if this is something that interests you or maybe it doesn't interest you, but you've been thrown into the world of fertility or infertility anyway. So this is a great conversation with Kristen and I am just so thankful that she spent some time with me and shared uh, some amazing wisdom. So I hope you all enjoy. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our audience? Sure. Um, so I'm Kristen Hodgden. Um, let's see, I am an IVF mom of three and a half year old boy girl twins. Uh, first and foremost, I am also the co-founder um, of Rescripted, which is a media platform for those dealing with infertility and pregnancy loss. And and really anything related to fertility issues, even if you're just starting to try to conceive, um, you can find educational content and a community of support um, on our site and our Instagram page. So um, that's what I do, you know, for work. And I am also a voracious reader. I worked for nine years in book publishing prior to um, starting what is now Rescripted. Um, it actually started as a personal blog, um, fun fact. 
and kind of evolved from wow. there. Um, so love to read, love to write. And um, what else do I, what else is about me? I live in Long Island, New York, and I'm currently going through IVF again because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> oh lucky you <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you so much for being on the podcast today I know I really enjoy listening to yours and every time I listen to episode I think oh my gosh I wish that this would have been around back when I was going through treatments because there's just so much information that you share on your podcast regarding all things fertility and gosh, wish I would have had a little bit of that back when I was having to do well, that's this. That's how honestly I got started because, and it was only five years ago that I was sitting in the fertility clinic waiting room, looking around and everyone's looking down at their phones. No one's having a conversation mm -hmm. with each other. Everyone's like sort of embarrassed to be there. Um, and, you know, I just really felt like there needed to be some place that just brought those people together, made it feel like it was okay and that they're not alone. And um, so just started sharing my own story and sharing other stories um, and it really resonated. And now I think a lot more people are sharing on Instagram, TikTok and what have you, but even as, as few as five years ago, it, like it really wasn't, um, it was kind of still shrouded in secrecy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which is so, you know, interesting, because I can remember and we went through I mean, it was probably 17 years ago, 18 years ago, probably 17. When we started through our IVF journey, well, the whole infertility journey. And it was definitely like, for me, I had never known anyone that had experienced or at least not that I was aware of. And so for whatever reason, and back then I was a lot different person. I was very insecure anyway. So I think that just added to it. And I really felt like there was something I had done wrong in my life. Why I couldn't have a baby, you know, there was a reason for it. And so I'm sure that part of the shame didn't help, but same thing. I remember being in the waiting room and just like, you don't want to look at anyone. And it was just a very, well, it was scary and unknown, but I definitely remember feeling that shame part of it for whatever reason that, you know, you have to do this and it's embarrassing and there's something wrong with you. And I do love how you see a lot more online now, even with, you know, certain celebrities kind of sharing about their pregnancy mm -hmm. loss and, and in fertility journeys and just kind of making it more of a, not that it's normal, I mean, but just more okay, you know, it's okay that yeah, it, it's part of your journey. Actually, to your point, when I was going through it, I mean, I was only 28 and I, the first time around and no one I knew was even trying to conceive, let alone going through fertility treatments. Now out of my group of eight friends, four of us are dealing with infertility. And I think the, wow. the official statistic is one in eight, but I feel like the more I open up about my story, the more I come across someone who's either been through infertility or has had a miscarriage. And so, um, you know, when you open up, you kind of give permission, others permission to sort of share as well. And you find out that it affects more people than you think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it is hard. You know, it's that vulnerability, which I've learned in my, you know, the last two years of my life, really, that that's okay. Mm -hmm. Cause I've always like been this strong person. Everything's fine. I'm always happy. And it's hard to be vulnerable and let yourself kind of have this other side of you that's always been mm -hmm. there. But it is. It's so true. You open up about it. And like you said, it allows others to feel a little bit more comfortable about it. And I'm sure you get people reaching out to you all the time. And I feel like every time I share anything about my journey, I get people reaching out who don't want to tell 
the people they're closest to, but they want to reach out to me. And so I'm sure you see that a lot. And it's sad to me because they need that support, but I also get it because I was the same way. Yeah. And, and I see that a lot. And that's why you see a lot of like anonymous um, Instagram accounts, like mm. my infertility journey or journey to baby, whatever their last name is, um, because they don't yeah. want to use their personal Instagram account to kind of share their journey, but they want to get it out there and be vocal about it. Um, at Rescripted, we also have, in addition to Instagram, we have our own social network. So because we found that people don't even want to my co-founder said that this was her on her journey. She didn't even want to like, like posts related to infertility because yes. she didn't want or follow certain accounts, but yep. she didn't want anyone to know that that was something she was going through. So, um, so, so we find that like, people can go even a level, a level deeper for support when it's a dedicated safe space and community just for people struggling with infertility and loss. And this is like an actual app that you have? Yeah. So it's a, it's a web application. Um, you can just go to rescripted.com and we have um, like a full content library. And then our community is completely free uh, to join. And it's kind of like a, a Facebook, for lack of a better you know, example, yeah, um, for, yeah. for just anyone who's struggling on the journey to parenthood. What a great resource, too. Even and we'll put it in the show notes as well. But your website and everything, there's just so many good resources for those. And again, this is something that I never had way back in the day. But I think it's fabulous that there are so many things out there like that. Now, I wanted to ask about or talk a little bit about pregnancy loss, because I know this is one thing I've heard you talk about on your podcast. And For me, in my journey with infertility, we did IUI three times, Mm -hmm. and then we did IVF three times with two retrievals. And um, I think it was the last time, the last time, yeah, it was our last time doing it. I got pregnant, and then it was the chemical pregnancy, you know, so that's the technical word for it. And for me back then... I really felt like, okay, this doesn't count. This isn't a real pregnancy, so I shouldn't be that sad, even though you should be because the infertility journey alone is sad. (laughs) But it really, like I, I was really hard on myself for even being sad about it because I would think, oh, there's women out there that have had, you know, second trimester miscarriages, Mm -hmm. like this little thing doesn't matter. But, and I think I lost it at, it was about eight weeks. So it was definitely something, you know, that I came out of my body, but I remember just talking myself out of it, like, you're fine. Like it's not a baby. So you shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't be, you know, grieving this. And now, and then I didn't have support back then where I was even going to therapy or anything like that. But it really wasn't until recently where I would acknowledge like, oh, that was a loss. So do you hear that from people often? Yeah. So I actually had a chemical pregnancy last July. Um, It was my first, I had had failed transfers before, but, um, and I also did many failed IUIs, but, um, but this is my first transfer kind of back in the game with, with one of my frozen embryos Mm. and the, the doctor said like, Oh, the embryo is not the greatest quality after we thought it, but like, I think you still have a shot. So was kind of like not super getting my hopes up, but you know, still hopeful. And then I got a positive pregnancy test and I was like, Oh my God, this is like, what are the odds that this worked at like the first time I'm doing it? again and how easy was that like you know not easy but like a a number a number of transfer is way more intense than you know having sex and getting pregnant but I still like couldn't believe my luck and and then 
like days went by, I got a, a positive beta, which is the blood test at the clinic. And like my number was pretty good. It wasn't where I hoped it would be, but it wasn't like 10, you know, it was like 48. And so I thought, okay, so now we just have to see if it's doubling in two days. Um, Cause that's usually the sign of like healthy regression. So I went all weekend, like thinking I was pregnant and I mean, I was pregnant. Sorry. I should say I was pregnant and, um, you know, was like, no, I can't have a drink. I'm pregnant. You know, like, it's just, I was right, really, right. I was like calculating my due date and like, we got all excited. And, and then Monday I had my second beta and my number stayed the same, which mm. was, was still like, it wasn't going down. So I said, okay. And then two, but my doctor said, you know, I, it doesn't seem like it's looking good. And then another two days later I went back, but it was like pure torture because I had to keep going back knowing mm. I'm pregnant, but it doesn't look like it's progressing well. And then, so like all in all, like a week after I got the positive beta, I um, was told to stop all my meds because my number had gone down and, um, and it was an early Mm -hmm. loss, but I've sort of had to train my mind because my doctor even sort of made it seem like, like she was obviously sorry for, the loss, but she kind of made it seem like, oh, well, at least it implanted. And, and, mm. and if like, if you do do the research, like it is better that it implanted than not implanted, because that's a good sign that your body, you know, was able to get pregnant, but I mean, I, it doesn't make it any less heartbreaking. And then, um, so right. I felt like, oh, it was just a chemical pregnancy, but and I sort of pushed it down and, you know, I have other kids at home and I had to just move on. But then like I, I my due date would have been April 9th and I'm still not pregnant. Mm. So like I always tell people like grief is not linear because, you know, a week after my miscarriage, I was like, I'm fine. And now mm. 10 months later, I'm almost like less fine because I like there's never in a million years would I have thought I would still not be pregnant by now. So, you know, and and I try to actually not use the word chemical pregnancy anymore because I feel like it is very invalidating. Um, It's like, it's an early miscarriage. Your body was pregnant and then Mm -hmm. it wasn't. And, you know, it's a loss. And so I, um, but I, I can totally see how, you know, even with a failed transfer, I've had two failed transfers since then. And I feel like to friends and family that aren't familiar with infertility or IVF, they're just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't work. But like, we put like our blood, sweat and tears into those embryos. Like we, you know, right. did all these injections. Like, so it's not just like, oh, we had sex and it didn't work. Like, right. You know, like the yeah. stakes are really high and my body's being pumped with hormones and I have two kids at home and I'm like, it's not an easy process to go through. And then mm. like the stakes just feel way higher, you know? It is. It's such, there's such a disappointment. And I think already like thinking back when I was going through it, that you're, for me, I actually had to quit my job because the medication made me like, not a fun human to be around. So you're already, you're on all this medication, which, and and then high emotions anyway, we didn't have support. And so whether or not a transfer happens or works or whatever, it is so emotional. The stakes, like you said, are so high that it, it does feel like such a huge loss every time, whatever it might be, even with the IUIs, a huge disappointment, you know, when in the beginning, when we were doing that, it's like, you're like, okay, we're starting out the cheap way and the easy way. Because I think that that's not highlighted enough. When you're going through IUIs, you have to go to the doctor almost more than you do when you're going through IVF because you have to, they have to um, monitor you at every single stage of your cycle. So you're in that doctor's office like two to three days a week. And um, that was, I was so blindsided by that. I mean, I was like 27, 28 Mm. years old and I'm like going to 
the fertility clinic at 6 a.m. before work every day. <laughs> like, what am I doing yeah. here? Yeah. I, and I was kind of just, I had no idea that that kind of time commitment was involved when I initially started. Right. Like, they made it oh, sound like either. it was such a low invasive option. And it, I, at the end of the day, I will say I was begging to do IVF because I was like, yeah. Clomid makes me murdery. <laughs> And, oh, it was- <laughs> and then for what, like 20% chance of success, I've had three failed right. at this point. Like, I know you keep telling me I'm young, but like, it's not working. So let's, right. <laughs> you know, let's move on. Well, and I think something that's so important is that doctors should ask you how many children you want to have. If they would have asked me that from the beginning and I would have told them, like, I'd love to have two to three children, like maybe IVF would have been on the table sooner mm. because like the, the, when I eventually, after I did my egg retrieval and realized that I had embryos frozen, it was such a weight off my shoulders. Like knowing yeah. that, you know, I had those that I didn't have to do another retrieval for a while or, and now I'm facing right. a possible another retrieval um, at this point. But, it, but still like in that moment, I was so relieved because I just felt like I had something to show for all the hard work. Whereas after the IEYs, like you have not, like you have nothing to show right. for it. Right. And, and it's still that disappointment, the pain, the stress. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, the Clomid, like that is when, <laughs> I was not a good person, but again, you think, oh, and for us, it was more affordable. So you're like, yeah, we got to try this first. I was wondering too about for you, because you obviously are going through this now. And when I did this, it was a long time ago. What do you feel like you were like, they recommend doing trainings or therapy or anything before you started this process? Um, well, they didn't when I was going through it. I literally okay. got diagnosed with PCOS and was handed a brochure about PCOS, which it's like not everyone with PCOS even has the same symptoms. And then they were just like, oh, you're under 30. So like, you'll, you just need some Clomid and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And then like a year later, I'm starting IVF. So You know, I just felt like my expectations weren't, and listen, I feel like sometimes doctors can be a little jaded because they probably see like women over 40 all the time that, you know, are harder cases, but, um, but I just felt like my expectations were completely, like I was genuinely blindsided every time my IUI didn't work because they were like, oh, you're so young and it's fine. And, um, So, you know, I, I always wished like there was some sort of what to expect. And it's funny because my very first blog post ever, my company used to be called the Fertility Tribe. It was less of a company and more of a blog um, at the time. But my first blog post was what I wish I knew before I started fertility treatment, Mm. because that's the, like the message I just wanted to get out. Like this is not, I mean, if you think about it, the first IVF baby in the U S is only 40 years old. Wow. So it's still such a young field. Like there is not a lot of, I mean, there's, there are amazing doctors and fellows and, you know, doing amazing research, but they're like, there's not a, there's not like hundreds of years of research. Like it's, it's a fairly young field. So um, like a lot of it is still trial and error and because everyone's body is different mm. and your partner's different, like every single case is so unique. different. And so yeah. they could do one protocol one month and you don't have good results. And then that kind of teaches them what to do the next month. But as the patient, you're like, what the hell? Like, how do you not know how to treat me? You're a doctor. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. You feel like a guinea pig. Like, here we go again. Yeah. But in reality, like they're learning along with you, like what right. works for your body, you know? Right. I do think if the expectations can be set, I, and I love that about your podcast too, because I feel like anyone that's maybe starting down this journey can go to your podcast, look for titles that they're experiencing, you know, of something that they're mm-hmm. curious about. And you have quick little podcasts where people can get the information they need on specific subjects. And I just find that so valuable because 
we were like clueless and very uneducated. And I do wish like doctors would set expectations differently where this is going to be awful. (laughs) Like, just tell me this is going to be super hard. And I just feel like we were so unaware. We had no clue. And same with like you, we were very young. And so every IUI, it was like, wait, what's wrong with me? Did they do a laparoscopic surgery to see what you had going on in there? No, because I, they didn't, I don't have endometriosis okay. um, or anything like that. So I have PCOS. I did do um, a hysteroscopy earlier this year because after my miscarriage and a failed transfer with a normal like PGTA tested embryo, they wanted to look that's like less invasive. It's like they, you go under anesthesia, but they put a camera in your uterus to make sure everything's mm-hmm. all good. I mean, I've had a C-section, so I thought maybe like, Oh, maybe there's scar tissue, this and that. Yeah. There's just, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When you have a failed transfer, you're always like, okay, what can we check? What can we do? Right. Yes. To see what's going on. Um, so I had the hysteroscopy. I also had an HSG to check, like double, triple check that my tubes were open. Mm. Um, I had a complete thyroid workup. I have um, an autoimmune disease, um, Hashimoto's. So that's related to my thyroid. And so I always have to like make sure that my thyroid levels are in check. Mm. Um, so I had to do a lot this year to just, because I only have a couple of embryos left. And so if I don't check all the boxes before I transfer again and yeah, it just, like, I just, I'm scared to transfer again, basically. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it, it's such a nerve wracking thing. And I mean, it's been, like I said, 17, 16, 17 years. We went through it for about three years, but still like, I don't talk about it that often, but like, I definitely having this podcast come up, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I still remember like, just sitting in the closet on the floor crying as my mm-hmm. hair was falling out and just, oh my gosh, just such an emotional roller coaster. Oh, so not fun. It is. It's really stressful because, you know, especially with social media and everything, it's like 9 million pregnancy announcements. And mm-hmm. um, I'm so, even now that I'm a mom, like I'm so conscious of that, you know, yeah. Mother's Day, even, you know, even now that I'm a mom, like Mother's Day feels so heavy for me because mm. I'm like, there's so many people who are struggling. Like the last thing they need for me is to post like a picture perfect family photo mm-hmm. saying like, I'm so blessed to be your mom. <laughs> like, right. It's hard. Like, yeah. Of those. Like I, right. I, I love my kids. Like, of but course. you know, yeah. it's, um, yeah. I just like the day just feels very, heavy because I, I know that so many people are struggling. There was a lot less social media back when I was going through this. Very few people knew that we were going like pretty much just my family. So I, at the time, all my friends were having babies. So I just remember baby shower after baby shower after baby shower and just driving home at night, bawling my eyes out because I would keep it together the whole time. Just, and of course I was getting all the comments. Oh, you're next. Your turn's next. And here we've been dealing with this for two years, you know, with no one knowing. And it was just devastating. And so I think Mm -hmm. it is, it's good to be aware. And I find myself failing at that sometimes, even though I have experienced the loss there, but forgetting it sometimes because it's been a while and saying things that can be so insensitive to people like, oh, when it, when are you going to have kids? Because even that kind of comment can be so hurtful if someone's going through that. And so I have to remind myself of it because it's mm-hmm. been a while for me. But if I look back, oh, yeah, I can remember how painful that was. I didn't want to hear that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you don't know what to say, just don't say anything. I know. Yes. It was a miscarriage. It's like, oh, at least it was early. Like, Ugh. okay, well, you know. Right. It's, I, I've definitely become more empathetic through this process. Like, I always try to think, what would I want to hear? You know, mm. because, yeah, people are very well-meaning, but they don't always say the right thing. They don't. Yeah, no, they, they sure don't. And that's another thing that I feel like 
if there was more education out there. And even like, I feel like there needs to be a little class, like before you start infertility treatment, like it needs to be like, are you in therapy? Because you're going to need it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And like just a kind of general class on even like I'm like there needs to be flyers on how to educate your family because when we did when we moved towards adoption I had printed out all these flyers on different aspects of adoption and they had given us some too on that how to educate your family on this way of growing your own family. And it was very helpful because it's hard when you can't even put into words what you're going through sometimes to just say, hey, read this. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, read the list of what not to say to me. And maybe in the next year, we'll still be friends, hopefully. Yeah, it's a lot. And you have to like sort of one thing I really learned is that you can feel multiple emotions at once. And Mm. like that's really helped me in my life in general. Like oh, yeah. I, I remember when I went through it the first time I'd be like, well, look, I have an amazing husband and like, we have good jobs and like, I shouldn't feel this sad because we're like blessed to be, you know, where we are. Yeah. And I, I find myself now being like, like, why am I even like selfish, feeling selfish for even going through this when I have two kids at home. Right. But I've had to sort of train myself to say like, you can be both and you can be grateful for the children you have, but also like there's a way you pictured your family and I've always wanted three kids. And if I exhaust every option and that doesn't happen, then I'll deal with that then. But like right right now, I'm still like, I really would love a third. So I can't be feeling just like I'm a crappy, selfish person. I would say the thing I struggle with most is, is not wanting it anymore. It's, it's just the fact that I've been going through IVF for like nine months now. And I get, I feel guilty that I'm taking away from my children because I'm not mm. myself. But right. then on the flip side, I'm like, but if they got a sibling, that's like the greatest gift in the world. Right. So it's, you know, it's all a mental struggle, but you have mm-hmm. to just like give yourself grace and allow yourself to feel all of the feelings. Like you're not a bad person if you aren't happy for your friend who's pregnant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think those, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That is such a good point about you can have the multiple feelings at the same time. I love Mm -hmm. that because I definitely didn't allow myself to do that. And I, I don't feel like, like, honestly, I've just been looking, working through a lot the last couple of years, but it has brought up stuff about that whole experience because we never processed or grieved. We just, we were in a weird situation, um, and we lived in a cult at the time. So we had kind of like, uh, not the support system that was necessary. And it was just a very weird dynamic. So we literally just like skated over it. Like, Oh, that didn't work. And of course that's not how I felt. I was a hot mess, but 
just the crushing your emotions down, not feeling like put on a happy face that everything's fine. And it is so damaging to not allow yourself to have those feelings. And, you know, I can look now 18 years later and realize, oh, yeah, I should have dealt with that a long time ago. And I just didn't have the opportunity where I could. But now I am. And I think it's important to remember because I'm I'll look and say exactly what you were saying. Like, I need to be thankful. I shouldn't even be sad. Like, I, I have so much to be thankful for. And yet it's okay to still be having that longing for a child or being mm-hmm. super depressed or sad about it. So I love, I love how you said that. It's like, we can have the two emotions at once. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, I still have to tell myself that. But yeah. Oh yeah. I've almost gotten worse since I've become a mom about letting it out because I, like I, when I went through it, a couple of years ago, I would cry when I needed to cry because I it was just me and my husband. But now it's like I almost feel like I have to push it down because I have to be a mom. But then I'll like break down one night and it'll right. like it'll just all come out. So I have to be better at um, you know allowing myself to let that stuff out because in my head I can logically say you can have two emotions at once. Right. Then, like I'm like suppressing it. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it's so true. And it's definitely, I mean, I didn't have to go through infertility with kids. I can't even imagine like that is definitely a whole nother ball game when you are already parenting the children you have and then going through that at the same time. I can't even imagine. I've had to take more breaks. Like after my, my first, a couple of years ago when I went through it, I powered through to the mm. point where it was like detrimental to my mental health. Mm, yeah. um, but this time after my first transfer and miscarriage, I took a six month break, like immediately. I was mm. like, I have two, two and a half year olds. I can't do this. Yeah. And then I got off, like I worked myself up and, you know, was like, okay, January, 2022, I'm going to start again. And um, and so I did two back-to-back transfers and they didn't work. And so now I'm in like the testing phase. And mm. then I think I'm going to take the summer off because I'm like, I live in New York. It's been gray here for six months. Like it's mm. finally getting nights out and my kids are at a great age to go to the beach and do fun stuff. I'm like, I don't want to put a damper on our whole summer. Like what's three more months. Right. Um, so having to like know what you need, in that moment. Cause if I powered through right now, I think that that would be way more detrimental to them, to me, to everyone. But if I kind of enjoy the summer and then gear back up in September, like you kind of just have to throw the whole like plans out the window, like, like the age yeah. gap situation. Right. The, oh yeah. You know, all that stuff like that, you know, I started when they were two and a half because I wanted them to be three and a half years apart, but now right. they're going to be probably five years apart. Right. If, right. Like, or more. So it's, it's just like that, like so much of infertility is like accepting that you can't control. Yeah. Oh anything. yeah. Yeah. And that was a challenge for me because I'm a very controlling personality and it's mm-hmm. true. Like in my mind, I always had this in, envision what my family's going to look like. And even for me envisioning what pregnancy was going to look like. Like, I feel like I always was so excited about being pregnant, even since I was like young, too young to think about it. But I just thought pregnant people are adorable and cute and, you know, like all the things. And again, we were young and healthy. And so it never even crossed my mind that we would have infertility issues. So it was a huge hit right off the bat to realize like, oh, we're going down a different road. And then like you're saying, you you literally have no control at all. And it is not a fun feeling. And like you were talking earlier, uh, your schedules, you're in this, you're literally feel like you live at the doctor. And Mm -hmm. our doctor, we're in California and it was a pretty well, it still is a very big clinic here. And we were so blessed. I felt like, cause we were about a 30 minute drive from it. There was people coming from out of state, like flying there, having to stay in hotels. Mm -hmm. And so I was always like, okay, we've, 
we've got the easy part. But I mean, the things you go through, I can remember in the 30 minute drive, like having to deliver sperm to the doctor's office. So, you know, you retrieve your sperm in the morning before the husband goes to work. And then I'm holding it in between my thighs in a cup to keep it warm on the way there. And it's just stuff like that. <laughs> People are oh, like, you have we to do what? And it's like, oh yeah. Like, yeah. and even all that, it's all emotional. Your brain is just wrapped up in this could be the time. Like these are soon be some really good swimmers. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. We moved our embryos from one clinic to, to the other <laughs> last year and so, like, I literally had my babies in a nitrogen ch- tank oh. in between my legs in the car. It's like, yeah. and I always oh like gosh. think about how like fertile people just don't have to think about any of this stuff, right? Like at all. <laughs> it is. You, it's truly like this whole side world you have going on. It is. There's so much that goes into it, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and just the emotions. I feel like every, you know, every retrieval, even every IUI is like every step you thought you were getting closer. And then for us, it never did. We had the one, the one chemical pregnancy, which I need to quit saying that. Uh, But other than that, we, we didn't ever have a viable pregnancy. And so me asking like what, because I think it brings up a really good point. We see a lot in our community. It's like IVF is not a guarantee, right? And I think people think it is because uh, like yeah. celebrities are like, I had an IVF baby or, you know, like right. I love when celebrities bring attention to IVF, but yes. at the same time, it kind of makes people think that IVF is a guarantee. And like, you never know, like they could have used donor eggs. Like you don't know the right. backstory. So um, IVF is like a like an amazing technology and science, mm-hmm. but it's not a hundred percent. And, um, so what made you decide to sort of, you know, stop? Stop. Yeah. Well, and we had, when you talk about how amazing it is, what they do with IVF, it just blows my mind. And with ours, I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but gift, do you know what that is? Is that still a, it was the process of actually taking in single sperm and washing it and injecting it into the egg. Because oh, I think they call that ICSI now. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember. It was a gift back then, but I don't remember what it stood for. But we had to do that every time because they never, they didn't like each other. They were very <laughs> rude to each other. So we had to have that process, which what's, it just blows my mind. Like when you watch a video of them doing it, it's this microscopic washing of a single sperm and enjoy mm-hmm. it like blows my mind so what they do is amazing but yeah we did um three rounds of ivf and ultimately why we quit is we ran out of money like it is not cheap we did not have insurance um that helped at all so we kind of ran out of money and honestly probably half and half half was money and half was my mental health i just i didn't think i could do it anymore and my husband was ready to quit probably after the first one because I was so fun to live with, but I just knew, I just knew I could be pregnant. And so we tried twice more. We had to do another egg retrieval. And then, and then after that, I'm like, I just can't, like it was, it was just emotionally, I couldn't handle it, but it's not guaranteed. And then it turned out later, which I was pretty aware that I did have endometriosis, which like my current doctor is like, you could totally have sued your doctors for not doing um, an investigation laparoscopy. And because she's like, with your history, they should have done that first. And so that's why I asked if you had had a, but I forgot you had already been diagnosed. Um, So it turned out I had really bad endometriosis. So I ended up getting years and years later, a full hysterectomy. Like I never would have been able to be pregnant. Never. So it's a shame they didn't do that first. Cause it would have been like 1500 bucks. And we would have realized right off the bat, let's not try anything. Cause nothing's going to work. Um, but instead we got to go through all of that for three years 
with really no hope. So that part was very frustrating. That's tough. I mean, maybe they could have done surgery or you never know, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. hindsight's twenty twenty. Right, right. Um, and you wouldn't have had to live with, I don't know if you have like painful periods, but like most, most women oh, with endometriosis have. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was. Well, and now I do wish they would have done that because I would have probably had a hysterectomy a whole lot sooner. Yeah. So I, and since then, it's been, oh gosh, I don't know. It's probably been like seven years now, six. Um, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this when I was like 14 because yeah. I've been in pain my whole life and and now I feel great. So I do love talking to other people that are considering it because I think it is a very scary thing to consider, which, you know, it was very interesting. And this goes back to not processing and grieving and getting help for the whole pregnancy loss and the whole infertility journey. But when I got my hysterectomy at this point, I have three kids. I'm not planning on anymore. It was really a hard emotional thing for me to, it was just very final, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was just a weird thought, even though I knew I'm never going to be pregnant and I didn't want to be at that point, but it was weird. It was weird to just like the final, like, okay, this really, really is never going to happen. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot because I mean, completely different situation, but I was pregnant once I had two babies, very grateful, but like I only got to experience it once and it was very mm-hmm. traumatic. I had like, I could go on and on. I had like preterm labor I was in the hospital for basically my entire third trimester, really tra- <laughs> traumatic birth. So like the thought of not being able to have a normal pregnancy and experience like one, having one baby and like that moment of like when they lay your baby on your chest and like, I didn't have that. I was like knocked out. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, it like you have the, the, the finality of that. These two are my only, like, just like, isn't settling to me right now. And like, maybe I would come to acceptance. Like they said, if I felt like I, you know, hit a certain point and had exhausted my, my embryos or, but I, yeah, it's just, all of it is a grieving process yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a trauma. And like, I don't think when you're just starting out with it, you don't realize that it is. Yeah. But it really carries with you. Like even like postpartum, mm. you know, women with infertility are at a higher risk of postpartum depression and anxiety, because I think when you want to be a mom so bad and then you find motherhood hard, that's like really hard to grapple with. Oh yeah. Um, and like, even to this day, like if I have a frustrating day with my kids, I'm like, oh, but I wanted this so bad. And I'm trying for another one. Like what's wrong with me? Like, it's just like, we all need therapy. So yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And it is, I think as moms, we're so hard on ourselves anyway. And the same, it's like, there's so many different parts of the journey that, and I think life in general, but where the, I remember with my son, so we adopted him. And then when we decided to adopt again, I had like the hardest time realizing I had to share me with other children. And I wanted other children, but we had such a special bond that I'm like, I I don't think I'll love the next ones as much. And, mm-hmm. and it, I would lay, you know, after he went to sleep, I'd lay on his bed, rubbing his back, just sobbing, thinking, this Aww. is it. This is it. From now on, there's other little kids that are going to be intruding and a part of this. And of course, that's how everyone that has multiple children, I'm sure feels. But I remember like even grieving things like that that I would like to say, oh, what are you? Just a big old baby. But it matters, you know? And it's like, there's so many different stages, I feel like, through infertility or pregnancy and motherhood in general, where we're grieving different parts of the journey, or we should be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's um, it's really hard, all of it. 
It is. It's definitely uh, not a, we're all humans. And I think that's, emotions are involved. So, you know, there's always going to be stress. And I know I have some, um, I deal with anxiety and depression. Well, I never admitted that until the last couple of years. So me not dealing, and I, to be fair, I didn't really have an opportunity to get help uh, back then. But now that I am, it's like admitting these things and dealing with them is huge. And it's okay. Like, I think there's such a stigma on, um, and it's getting better with mental health, but it's, it's feels good. It's like, okay, I can get help and I'm a much better person to all the people around me when I'm, you know, whether it's therapy or medication or whatever it might be, it's getting the help you need. Do you, do you think with, you know, cause you're currently dealing with this too, that support of other people is one of the most important things when you're going through oh, this. Yeah. When I, when I had my last transfer um, and it failed and that was my third transfer that had a bad outcome, mm. I was like, the only people I want to talk to are people that have been through this. Yeah. Like, like my mom's my best friend, but like, and I have an amazing support system of family and friends, but like, if you have not been through like a failed IVF, it, it you have no idea. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. and that's not me being like, you have no idea. Like it just, I just right, mean like, you it's true. You have no idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's so, and I've met so many amazing women through, Rescripted's community and through Instagram and like strangers on the internet, essentially. Yeah. But, um, you know, you find those people who kind of have like a similar situation to you. I was texting one girl about, cause I know she has the same autoimmune disease and I'm like, mm. Oh, like, what did you do for your transfer that works? Like, you know, you, you yes. end up being, I mean, everyone's different, but you have like, because otherwise, I don't know. Even my husband is sort of like, cause he would be done. I think if I wasn't so adamant, cause yeah. he just hates seeing me go through this stuff. Right. Um, so that's hard too. Cause it's like, I'm like, well, do you not want this as badly? He's like, he's like, yes, I do. But I just like, it's not working. You know, like right. anything, he, anything he said would have been the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> I can never win. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like those people that have been through it are the only ones that understand. And yeah, um, even the ones that are pregnant or just had a baby, I'm like, well, you went through a lot, so it's fine. Yes. <laughs> you qualify. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's true. But that's an interesting point, too, that you make about even your spouse or your partner that they're not experiencing the same experience that we are on our end. So I think there's definitely like some growing pains there in understanding that like, it's okay for you to not be crying on the floor every day, even though I am. Mm -hmm. But I remember that like feeling like, do you even care? Like what's wrong with you? Why aren't you crying every day? Yeah. My biggest piece of advice for that is just get them involved somehow. Like mm. it, it's been hard with COVID cause he hadn't been, he wasn't even able to come for my transfers, which oh. it's like, you weren't even in the room when I got pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't need it, you anymore. I don't need you at all. Um, but, um, but I would say like, have them do your shots or, yeah. you know, some sort of, something involve like involve them so that you don't feel like you're bear bearing the whole brunt, you know, that is a very good piece of advice. I love that. Okay. Well, I have three questions that I end every podcast with. So the first question I have is what is a book that you would recommend to listeners or your favorite uh, book? So my favorite book ever is wild by Cheryl Strayed. Mm, okay. Um, have you read it? No. I'm going to now. Oh, it's so good. Um, Cheryl Strait is a brilliant writer, and she, um, it, she, it was um, about her after she lost her mom. She um, hiked the Pacific Crest Trail mm -hmm. by herself. Um, oh wow! 
and sort of like her her grief journey, her self discovery. It's absolutely amazing, and it was turned into a movie with Reese Witherspoon. If you want to cheat, but definitely oh worth God. reading. <laughs> oh yeah, the books are always better. Mm-hmm. And I listen to a lot of books now. I drive a lot, so I listen to my podcasts oh, yeah. and books. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And then how did you meet your husband? We met, we were in the same orientation group at college. Um, but, but then I ended up transferring out oh my after God. freshman year and then senior year, I was back visiting and we recognized each other from freshman orientation and have been together for 13 years now. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Very, very cool. Um, Okay, last one. What is the best compliment you've ever received? Uh, That's a really tough one. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think whenever, and the the most recent one I can think of is my mother-in-law always comments on all my fertility posts. And Mm. she posts, she wrote about how like, she's so proud of me for sharing my story so that uh, like in order to help others basically, because like it can be really vulnerable to, you know, share all these IVF pictures and your emotions Mm. and, but everything I write is so from the heart and, and I do it because I know that other people are out there feeling like they're alone in it. And so, um, I'm, happy to do it but um but yeah sometimes it's sometimes you don't feel like sharing and yeah. that's okay too but right I would say and that's I, the most yeah. I think that's a amazing compliment and mm-hmm. and shows the support too that's mm-hmm. so sweet and I yeah. think it's so important what you're doing I think it's very interesting too that you're currently going through this you have done in the past you have had pregnancy and some kiddos from it and you're going through it again. So I think it's really neat that, you know, in real time, you're sharing your journey with a huge group of people. So I think that's so valuable for people to kind of see you being vulnerable, even though it is hard sometimes. So I thank you for doing that because I know, again, it's been a long, long time since I've gone through that part of my journey but I'll still get people reaching out to me about it and I can just send them your way and be like, here, she'll help you. She could be the one that can help you with this. So I do appreciate that. You're, you're helping a lot of people. Well, thank you. Um, right back at you. And, um, this is a really great conversation and, I hope everyone will listen. And um, our our podcast is the Dear Infertility Podcast if you want like a more medical point yes. of view. Um, and then why uh, don't you give us your um, social media handles as well? Yeah. So on Instagram, we're fertility.rescripted um, and our website is rescripted.com. Perfect. And we'll have all that in the show notes so people can easily find you. And I highly recommend going and listening to your podcast because, again, even though I'm not currently going through this, I find it very interesting and and it's much more current information than I remember. So I do find that very um, enlightening. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll be seeing you around on the interwebs. Yep. All right. Thanks, Shannon. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you all for joining me for another episode of the Shanny Pant Show. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me every week. You can find all of my links to all my social medias anything your heart desires at shannypantshow.com. You can even find my amazing merch is back up and running there. And you can email me from there. All the things, all the things. Also, you always ask, how can you help me out with this whole podcast situation? You can subscribe to my podcast. You can leave reviews. You can share it with friends. I appreciate it all. So I am super excited to bring you guys the rest of the season. It's going to be amazing. And I'll see you next week.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.